0: Everybody, And welcome to another very special summer episode of Ignite Radio Live.
1: Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and John Paul on soundboard. And like listen an instrument to on this. soundboard. That's right. Go ahead, Jake. To the soundboard. Loving the background music. That was what the pause was for. You are hearing... That person and we have as our special guest tonight
0: Ben Walther, so excited to have Ben with us tonight Ben, some of you may be familiar with him He is a wonderful Catholic Music songwriter, worship leader. He's been leading worship throughout the country in a special husband way.
1: and father. So that's more even
0: important. more significantly right. Godly man. Uh, great husband of fr- family friends of ours. Maria Novicki Walther, and uh, I believe six beautiful children. He'll correct me in a moment if I'm wrong. But uh, I'm blessed to be to know them for a number of years now. We had Ben and Maria a number of years ago as guests on our program. But tonight, folks, we're going to uh, we're going to talk about worship a little bit. And the nature of worship from a Catholic perspective—not just when we're singing, but if you will, God's design of worship with our very beings—we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to, you know, hear a little bit about a conversion, a little bit of uh, Ben's story, his backstory that brought him to where he's at right now. Uh, Leader at Walsh, also uh, college, which we're blessed. Father Nathan Cromley obviously has uh, some engagement there with his graduate program. He's a native son of this area, of course, and great programming with Father Nathan Cromley. So ben is the uh um, campus minister there also so he's a multifaceted guy before we open up that door and uh just open our heart to the graces that are going to be poured in we're going to say a prayer and then a commercial we right on with it so join me tonight in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit Amen. amen dear lord jesus we are aware maybe of crisis we're aware of crisis taking place as we read the papers in the secular political world of nations, the battling that's taking place. We're aware, Lord God, of the crisis in our own institutional church. If you will, the letdown, God, of those who maybe stand in your name and, uh, and the brokenness of humanity, which we are all part of, God. We acknowledge that we're all part of that brokenness. We're aware of the crisis, God, in our own communities. We're aware of the crisis, God, in our own marriages and families tonight, because we're not there, God. We're not saints yet. We're not perfect, Lord, so we're striving. We're constantly turning, God, which means to repent. We're constantly in need of being mindful that you call us and summon us to repent because you desire intimacy with us. And Lord, we use the word crisis tonight because throughout history, crisis is always what paves the way for our sainthood crisis, Lord God, you reveal is always the occasion to pave our way to sainthood. So make us aware of the crisis and to face it, Lord God, and to see that it's paving the way for a faith-filled response. Make us aware, Lord, that we can't do it ourselves. We don't have the energy to muster it up or just make it happen. Lord, we avail our hearts and our minds to your grace outpoured, God. Tonight, we beg it as husbands, as wives, as mothers and fathers, as neighbors. Lord, we need the grace. We need it outpoured, Lord God, to live more fully according to the design of our nature, intimacy. We yearn for intimacy with you, God. We just claim it and declare it tonight in the name of Jesus, that your kingdom come and your will be done, and that you open our hearts to take us all the further tonight. We ask this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, folks, the commercial, I Love My Family, Dot US. Say it with me. if you're Wherever you're at, say, I love my family. That declaration. I love my family. Awesome. That declaration, folks, changes the atmosphere. With all the negative stuff, which also has an effect on the atmosphere, just say it. I love my family. I love my wife. I love my children. It changes the atmosphere. God is love. We're proclaiming God in an incarnate form. I love my family. So if you're desiring to experience that all the more fully as we are, to be attuned to God's heart, who is love, the Trinity. If you want to experience that and the power outpoured for regional revival, beyond just words and cliche, but if you yearn for it, God, put that yearning in your hearts. Go to ilovemyfamily.us. It should be easy enough to remember. I ilovemyfamily.us. We've got our family Emmaus coming up this coming Sunday. And time's running out to to uh, sign up for it, if you will. But it's going to be a great day at St. Joan of Arc, beginning at 1.15 p.m. And uh, it's going to be a day of awesome, more fully encountering God's love alive as families in our marriages. We're going to break into awkwardness and challenges and the difficulties we have. We all want it, don't we? We all want to have godlier cultures and environments in our homes. And uh, we're coming together with that petition and that prayer. And we're going to experience it. Great talk by Caroline Gambali. We're going to have an awesome some large gathered live it gathering with our families a great picnic supper you'll bring your own maybe share or steal your neighbors we're all about <laughs> that in a friendly way and uh, we're gonna end with a real, really awesome ignite led by Dan Dirks our son Joseph who's been leading a worship down at Damascus with grace so we're really excited about that this Sunday sign up right now at I love my family us so we're gonna get right into it and uh, so blessed to have you with us tonight Ben how you doing
2: Hey, great, thanks. thanks, it's great to be with you guys.
0: Awesome, now, Ben, did I get it right, six children? You got it, six kids, yeah. That's awesome, any little saints looking on from on high in the Walther family?
3: We do,
2: yeah, we have one, uh, Mariah Faith was going to be our third,
3: Oh. and uh, you know,
2: a cool part of our story, I don't know if I shared this last time, but she was, well, we lost her on February 2nd, 2005, and then... Uh, the following year, February 2nd, 2006, our third, our next daughter was born,
3: Aww, Selena,
2: nice and then February 2nd, 2008, our fourth daughter was born, and so we call them the birthday twins, and they're Aww. born on the day that we lost Mariah, and, and so on that day, it was a huge birthday feast, and we remember her. So I definitely know she's up there praying for us oh, and
0: interceding for her crazy siblings. <laughs> amazing, amazing! The
1: beauty of providence, right, and God's love and time. right?
0: Yep, so cool. So Ben, we're so blessed to know you. Uh, certainly in your ministry, our children were at the Steubenville conference. At one of them that you led worship at, and came back very That's excited. So cool. Yeah, about the whole experience, and they've been there before. At least John Paul had been there, but very blessed by the experience. And you're plugged into all that, which is really cool. And uh, we want to tap. Tonight, maybe go to some places, um, really to use this time and uh, really be attuned to that, to our hunger for our Father in Heaven and our Catholic faith. And yeah, absolutely, you have so much to bring in that regard. So, before we uh, kind of maybe ask and inquire about your summer with Youth at Stumville, we always, Ben, talk about this Revelations twelve eleven. It's a challenge for all of us Catholics, and simply it's an acknowledgement the enemy is active in the world around us, and yeah. says how we defeat the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, so that's the Mass, and the word of their testimony. And so for our listeners, we just wanting to convey to them and encourage them that they, everybody's got their own story. It doesn't need to be this big, dramatic story, but God is alive in their lives. So we always put our guests on the spot to maybe share with us a few minutes of their background that led them to a fuller encounter to live for Jesus Christ. Could you share with us a little bit of your backstory, Ben, leading you yeah. to know and live for Jesus?
2: Yeah, Absolutely. So I'm a native Texan, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I'm the oldest of three kids, and my family was um, actively Catholic. Growing up, we were at Mass every Sunday, and uh, my mom stayed at home, and my brother and sister and I went to Catholic school, and and for a lot of years, everything seemed normal. I played sports, I, I got into music when I was in middle school. And uh, right about that time, my parents started to have a lot of difficulties, and my dad um, I didn't know it at the time, but my dad was he was he was slowly distancing himself from his faith from the Lord, um, started working longer and longer hours and and uh, led to it just led to a lot of problems in my parents' marriage, and there was a lot of fighting going on, and there was, uh, there was instability there. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I, I could kind of see this coming. But when I was 15, uh, my dad decided that he just he just it wasn't for him anymore, and he mm. packed up his stuff and he left. and And uh, that was a few days after Christmas, my sophomore year of high school. Mm. And at the time, I was in a, uh, a really awful cover band with some guys at my school. Our band name was Sons of Santa. Oh, and we played Sons of Santa. Uh, we played Harvey. Sons of Santa. Yeah, that's because that's what you come up with when you're 15 year old boys, right? Well, sons
0: of a saint in a cryptic form. So maybe a, a premonition well, of things true. to come.
2: That's true. I, I never even thought of it that <laughs> Sorry. way. Sorry.
0: I don't want to sidetrack you. So, keep going.
2: That's awesome. Well, uh, so we we continued to play, you know, birthday parties and talent shows, and and if you would have asked me at that time, like my dream was to be. My dream was to be a famous musician, a guitar player, a singer, and... <sighs> and that that next year, year and a half after my my parents' divorce was just a time of darkness and turmoil and confusion mm. and I, and hopelessness for me. And I I couldn't see the future. I couldn't. I, I didn't have any vision of of things that could be. Um, and, uh, you know, was not doing well in school and didn't have any friends outside the guys in my band, and it was just tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did have some friends that were going to our local uh, youth group, <clears throat> and I was invited to go to this conference up in this weird place in Ohio called Steubenville. <laughs> and I knew nothing about it, but there was a really cute girl in my youth group that was, Going on the trip, and so I felt like the Lord was calling me to go on the trip as well. Of
1: course, He was, and uh,
2: right? kind of sure, right? Kind of followed her up to this conference, and and uh, we drove vans from Dallas, Texas, up to Steubenville, Ohio, and Dang. went to this conference. And I, I couldn't tell you a single thing that anybody said, but I left. I left that weekend, and something something had changed in me, and I had a little glimmer of hope, and. Um, and I remember my mom came to pick me up, and I remember saying to my mom, I think I'm supposed to go to school here. Like, wow. I, I had a sense of purpose wow. and of mission and of being called to go to school here. I, I didn't know what any of that meant. But um, a couple years later, I was a senior, and I applied to Franciscan University in Steubenville and knew very, very clearly that that's where the Lord was calling me to go, and by that time... Um, my heart had opened more to God and to His plan for me in my life, and the gifts of music were kind of budding me. A couple of the guys in the band, and I started to slowly awaken again to to the Catholic faith of our childhood, and we sat down and wrote a couple of songs together about our faith, and as we played those songs for people, I realized, gosh, this is this is bigger than me, you know. This is bigger than this is bigger than the dream that I had fashioned mm-hmm. for myself, and um, this is a really powerful thing. And I could sense God's presence in the midst of all that. I could sense that God wanted to use us and to use our our very limited uh, gifts and talents for His glory and for His kingdom. And I just remember being really excited by that. So. Went to Franciscan University and, and got really involved in uh, music ministry on campus and leading worship. And I started writing a lot more songs and sharing them on campus with my peers, my friends, um, leading leading worship for um, for extra liturgical, you know, nights of worship, and also for uh, for liturgies. And those are two very different things. We can maybe we can mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit later, but. But all of it together just filled me with uh so much hope and I, I again I could see God moving and all that. I met a really pretty girl from Cleveland, Ohio and we started dating and and uh got married right after we graduated and uh moved to St. Louis, Missouri and I took my first job for a parish there in ministry and I've never looked back. I've I've been a Catholic school teacher, I've been a youth minister and, and I currently serve as uh, director of Campus Ministry at Walsh University, which uh, is in North Canton, Ohio. And, and it's it's a blessing to be where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lived in Texas for 10 years and, and moved up to Northeast Ohio about five years ago. And so that's kind of a snapshot of us. That's,
0: that's awesome. What we do. That's awesome. Hey, Ben, what year did you graduate from Franciscan? 2001. 2001. You're a youngin'. <laughs> awesome story So,
1: Ben, as you got more and more into You know, writing the songs In your later year of high school And then certainly through Franciscan University of Steubenville And obviously all the way up to present day It's easy to kind of pigeonhole That word of worship That that's all that that is Can you share your thoughts a little bit On more of a wider vision Of a life of worship?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure Um I I I just I believe that that God has made us to you know to give our worship to something and we all do this very well we give we give worship you know I think you can you can kind of measure somebody's uh worship by where where does the bulk of their time go to where does mm-hmm. their money go to what kind of things consume their thoughts their interests you know what are they reading about and uh so I think right now you're right there's a lot of people hear that word worship and they think, oh, that's music, you know, that's church music. Well, that's partially true, it's part of it. But worship is also what we do in the Mass. We know that the liturgy is the highest form of worship um, on this side of heaven, where we offer the body and blood of Christ back to the Father every every time again and again. And, but worship, I think, is also the way that we serve our husbands and our wives, and Mm -hmm. the way that we lay down our lives for the people around us, you know, the way that we give ourselves back to the community, all all of that can be seen as worship as well. And I think that's how we can begin to pray at all times, right? Mm -hmm. Pray without ceasing is is to begin uh, to see our our lives the way we pray, the way we serve, the way we fellowship, the way we tithe, Mm -hmm. the things that we give our... our, uh, our time and attention to all, all of that could be seen as worship as well.
0: It's awesome. Um, you know, Ben, I think as you're speaking there, uh, I, I've always had this sense of, you know, our desires, rightly ordering the desires of our hearts. I was just speaking an hour ago at a friend's home with our family, uh, a convert to the faith who's very theologically informed, was in Pentecostal churches, and he's really all about reaching those who are lost. And as we were talking about this, just what came really clear in our conversation was the number of people we know, including us, who have a range of desires and God, the heart Mm -hmm. of the heart desire of all of that is a heart for intimacy with God. And um, the beauty is that as you're leading in in worship, you're you're directing people's hearts to God and hopefully giving them that, um, that, that vision of life that all that they do is an occasion of intimacy with God, as you said, in those various ways, give our listeners, a lot of them are grandparents and parents. um, Give us maybe a portrait of how you see that, tug-of-war that trying to reach into youth and young adult culture what is a portrait of the youth and young adult culture that you're around often you know to help us understand it and maybe how have you been led to kind of reach in there and sort of direct their desires more fully to their god-designed direction of intimacy with him
2: wow what a question
1: <laughs> right <laughs> uh well
2: so i have spent a lot of time with high school teens over the years um and I currently work with college students, and uh, what I've seen is what, ev- what everybody's seen is how how addicted the younger generation is to their technology. Mm. And, um, you know, it's so attractive. It's so flashy and fun and always changing. I mean, there's always new apps and new devices and new tech that's fun. It's fun to play with. You know, they're, they're fun toys. Um I guess I've just been thinking lately a lot about how in my own life and in, in my own family we have six kids and we have tried really hard to tried really hard to um to limit to limit screen time or to postpone screen time, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: My kids were definitely the last ones in their in their classes to get any kind of device and
1: congratulations. I don't know. I love it. I,
2: I, I do think um I think the thing that we need a lot of is a good old-fashioned human human connection. Mm. And, uh, you know, more time together, more time interacting with real people, more time uh, reading great books together, more time talking about the Scripture together or the news, or just life, you know, sharing our own stories. And I'd say that's been some of the, the greatest moments um, that I've had with my students this past year, are, are moments like that, moments where we're, you know, away from, uh, away from what they consider normal and, and just having a lot of face time together. And I, I've seen that that's where those desires are, are most acutely awakened. Um, in those conversations, as we swap stories and talk about life and, you know, I'm, can share about, uh, my own sense of fatherlessness as a young, mm. you know, as a teenager myself growing up, and, and what that was like, and how uh, how I experienced the real presence of the father in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, that desire awakens in other people, and uh, it's tough. It's and it, and it seems to just be getting tougher <clears throat> to um, to maintain and, and to create that kind of culture for those human mm-hmm. connections mm-hmm. because. I think it's something that 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 kids have even forgotten. I think they they're they're forgetting yep. that they need that. They're forgetting that they want that. You know, they're forgetting what benefit that is to sit around a table and have dinner with their families, or you know, every every birthday party now. My kids are like, Dad, my kids just come over with their devices, and all they want to do is you know show each other stupid videos on YouTube,
3: and it's, yes.
2: it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I think they're they're forgetting. That they desire those things, and I think the great trick is to, um, gosh, you know, remove those distractions. Mm-hmm. Nature is always a great thing. Kids,
3: you know,
2: have to take my kids out out to the lake or out outside to have a campfire, and it's in those moments that our I think our deeper desires are kindled within us, and we can we can remember what those are.
0: I love everything you're saying, Ben, and echo it a thousand percent. And, of course, I think our challenge as adults and parents in particular is how to structure that and not to be afraid to structure that. I think a lot of parents and grandparents maybe are reluctant to kind of literally set rules um, because kids have been so removed from meaningful conversation. Maybe for the grandparents or parents, they like the fact that they don't have to be, they themselves don't have to be maybe relationally engaged. Maybe they have forgotten the joy or delight of unpacking the gift that is a spouse or a son or a daughter. I know our kids have had this conversation about how some of them wish we had maybe... Uh, Steph, what was it? The name of some box, uh, wooden container. Maybe we've even seen one of these. I don't know it's in my memory, but basically leave your devices here at the door (laughs) when you come in. There's, I I, I don't remember where this occurred, but, um, one of them had suggested this. And even at our gatherings of our families, you know, we're there for such a short period of time. Um, you know, and I, I will say this, this, um, the more we do that, And the more we're on the same page with my brothers and sister and and sisters-in-law, and we're gathered together, and the more we kind of moderate those devices, I see two things. Number one, I do see the challenge. I see a lot of them have to switch a kind of gear they don't even know exists, and that gear is one of interpersonal engagement. And a lot of them don't necessarily know it. Games tend to help with that. Like we just got this new Catholic game that friends gave us. Steph, what do you compare that game to? There's Uh,
1: Apples to apples. apples. the Catholic card game.
0: The Catholic card game. It's awesome. You know, it's a great way to uh, foster communication in a structured sort of way. that has a competitive mojo there. But I find when we engage people in things like that, they really like it, and it kind of, um, I don't know, ignites an interest in, in human beings and a person that's in front of them. Um, what has been your experience on college campus perhaps in settings where maybe you maybe see the challenge? Have you, can, you, can you tell us any success stories? Hmm. Putting well, you on the
2: let me spot. By saying I, I've, I've been on campus for one year, and a lot of this year was a huge learning curve just to learn the culture of campus, but also just to remember and, and to see firsthand, because <laughs> a lot's changed in the college culture since, since you and I were in school. Um, I, I remember being at Franciscan University, of course, that's, you know, that's, that place and a few others are anomalies unto themselves. But mm. man, you know, I don't even want to say. Well, you already, I already already told you guys when I graduated. So twenty years ago, let's just say it. Wow. Twenty years ago, when I was in school, if something was going on on campus, if there was some event, you you wanted to be a part of it. You know, you didn't want to miss anything. And nobody had phones, and nobody had computers, and nobody had hardly anybody had. Like a, a personal computer, you know, a laptop in their room. So they all we had was ordering a pizza and hanging out. You know, mm-hmm. um, what I've seen a lot of, man, is uh, students walking from their dorm room to the class building with uh, with earbuds in, mm-hmm. and that sends a very clear signal. You know, mm-hmm. don't talk to me. I'm just going to class. I want to take care of business. I don't want to be bothered. You know,
0: on an island.
2: And another thing I see a lot of in the, in the dining hall is um, you know, students, like maybe three or four students sitting at a table, but they're all just ignoring each other and, and looking at a screen. Wow. And I think, holy cow, what a tragedy. Uh, like the, the table where, you know, it's one of the most natural places community to, right. record, to yeah. occur, and we, we've just allowed it to be sabotaged by our tech. By our tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of one of the one of the things that we hope to do this year is, is really encourage our um, you know, our quote unquote ministry students, the ones that get it, the ones who are fired up for any kind of mission or evangelization. Uh, one, one big mission we're gonna challenge them to this year is to mix it up, you know, grab grab a friend or two, go and plop down at a table of people that you don't know and strike a conversation and just slowly start to rebuild the culture of encounter. Love it um, because I think Pope Francis is right on, and we have to we have to build it now mm. uh, because it, it's been destroyed. You know, we have to build it in the workplace. We've got to build it in our schools. We have to build it in universities. We have to build it in our churches mm. because we, if we're honest, we're used to clocking in and out of mass on Sundays,
1: and we do a very
2: good job of avoiding each other. Uh, beyond that, and um, so I think that. For people who are interested in this, it can kind of feel like an experiment, you know, like a project. But that's just because we've all just culturally gotten so, so far away, from, far removed from yep. from any kind of real encounter with real, live, warm-blooded, living, breathing people.
0: Yep. For our, you our listeners. Know? For our listeners, again, want to repeat a, a great um, small book for everybody's reading. It's a secular book by an author named Catherine Price. The name of the book is How to Break Up with Your Phone. Now, it's not that radical in suggesting that we part with these devices, which have many positive uses also, but she brings in a lot of the neurological social sciences, very contemporary information, and, and there's one paragraph that I'm just going to read right now for everyone's benefit to to kind of describe that appeals, I think, that appeals, that has us adults also as a target. So this is one thing that she says. If you wanted to invent a device that could rewire our minds, if you wanted to create a society of people who were personally distracted, isolated, and overtired, If you wanted to weaken our memories and damage our capacity for focus and deep thought, if you wanted to reduce empathy, encourage self-absorption, and redraw the lines of social etiquette, you'd likely end up with a smartphone. Very powerful. And I encourage you, or anybody who's hearing this, uh, we... If you will, our older kids, uh, certainly uh, out of high school, get a phone around that time. We have a family phone prior to that if they're working or whatever the case may be. But we, quote-unquote, require them to read this book because who wants uh, to have their brain radically rewired? Who wants, if you will, to be deprived of the kind of vitality God wants us to have? What I like about it also is there's sort of a secular analog in this book that speaks of things like discover life in its joy in ways you never did before. So even us adults, truthfully, and you know this, you're around ministers, youth ministers, Ben, uh, good people that we probably both know. I mean, if we're all really honest, I mean, we know the the addictive, dopamine-inducing power of these devices that we've got to set limits on ourselves because it's just really cool stuff.
2: Absolutely. I I think, you know, on the other side of that coin, um, in in the... I don't know, kind of the professional itinerant ministry, whatever you want to call it, you know, in the, the world of Catholic speakers and musicians and, and artists and other people like that, there's such a pressure to kind of mimic mm-hmm. what the world does. And, social. you know, you got to put yourself out there, and you always have to be pumping out content, and it's mm-hmm. all about social media. And I just have such an aversion to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hate it. It feels like work. It's It's not... It's, it's contrary to my nature. Mm-hmm. I, I get often get accused of being really bad at getting back to people because I honestly I could put my phone down in the morning and I I could leave oh. it for the day. I just I feel like it's just like it, it, you know they become our masters right. so quickly. We're slave to it, right? Um, but in that world, you know, there's so much pressure to, like I said, pump out so much content and always be on social media and. Some people are really good at it, and I think they do it with a spirit of detachment. And I think that's the trick, right? Um, we have these, these great tools at our fingertips, and I've heard other people, Christopher West, among others, who compare social media and all, all of the, the ability that we have to reach masses of people digitally with the Roman roads, you know, the, the roads that the Romans built uh, back in antiquity that, that Paul and other early church pioneers used to bring the gospel to the, the known world. And I think it's a really cool analogy, and I think mm-hmm. to a degree that it works. But, like you said, the danger is we can all, we can all quickly become slaves to these things, and, and I know many, many people who... Uh, verbally admit that they're, you know, they have some kind of addiction, that mm-hmm. we just pick it up and start scrolling.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think, too, and it's hard to break away from in ministry, I think, if I could just be blunt, um, that becomes a cop-out, like you're doing something good, and you're evangelizing. And, yeah. you are, and those are all true, you know, again, great analogy of Christopher West, but like you're saying, ah, you got to have a little bit of caution with that, because it is so easy to use that always as the... Um, Excuse, if you will. I've seen that so many times yeah. with ministry people. It's that, well, I need to, you know, get this out there, or that, and check this and check that, even at the expense of true job responsibilities and even more detrimental family life. Mm. You know, you got to set yeah, those priorities yeah. and such. So, all these good things are out there, you know, in social media. And this time in the church, more than ever, it seems like there's program after program after program that are all awesome things, right? You know, just these wonderful opportunities of evangelization and encounter, we pray. But what are your thoughts on, we like to use the phrase, more than a moment, a movement, a way of life in Jesus Christ. I think, um, Mm. again, with all these opportunities, we almost become program junkies. So I don't know what you see with, you know, for example, the Steubenville Conferences, which again are awesome, or you know, things at the college level or in your parish, um, how do we, that challenge of seeing these things as important moments, but how do you see them translating or the challenge in translating into a way of life in Jesus Christ?
2: Yeah, um, that's a great question. I I think this summer, this summer was my 13th summer um, uh, leading worship for, you know, two or three or four conferences. Uh, this summer we did four conferences, which was a great honor. And awesome. I've struggled in years past kind of thinking, wrestling with that question that you just asked, is Is this just, you know, is this just a conference where a team can come and get a Jesus buzz and then they go home and forget about it a week or two later? And I, I know that that is not... I know that that's not the intention. Right.
3: right. Um,
2: I do think that it's worth, you know, Steubenville conferences and so many other so many other things. The, the goal is to send people home with a fire lit in their heart, you know, that they might, they have to find a way to take it home and, and to take ownership of this thing. And, and um, I think I agree. I think we're doing a better job in the last couple summers of articulating that to teens, especially at these conferences, Mm -hmm. on a Sunday morning who are like, okay, well, I I encountered Jesus last night, or I encountered the Father last night for the first time, um, or I felt His presence for the first time. I believe that God is real. I've got all these questions stirring in my head. Now what do I do, you know? Mm -hmm. I think we're doing a better job uh, now than we used to of really... Giving the Great Commission and saying you need to go home now and, and find a way to live this and here's here's a bunch of examples of things that you can do and it all starts with prayer um, as we know you know they have to go home and and decide to enter into a a life a relationship with the Lord that can be fueled by a life of prayer and if they don't if, if they don't do that they're toast as right. you guys know. I mean, Right. right. We, we have to say that over and over and over
0: again. Ben, you're giving us great wisdom. A question for you: You're Darth Vadering a little bit, maybe, because of the cell phone. By chance, do you have a landline? No, I, I don't. Am okay. I cutting in and out on you guys? We're, well, we'll plug away. It's just it, we we get you. Just it just if, started if you had fading one, a yeah, little bit, yeah, a little bit, and we're we're, we're good. So we're maybe good. if
1: you're walking around, just stop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know. Okay.
0: Hey, Ben, share with okay, us. No, I'm here. In your own family. Um, which is a beautiful, devout Catholic family, and I think uh, I'm blessed to see and appreciate um, your wife's Posts and leading prayer. I think she uses social media very well, or perhaps connected in that way, praying for intentions and and her love as a mother, etc. So um, share with us, if you will, a little bit of a portrait of how you and Maria try to foster, specifically, what do you do to try to foster a culture of ever-deepening encounter in your life, in your family, in your home?
2: Yeah. Well, we made the decision, um, let's see, Yeah, I think I think that talking about a decade ago, we made the decision. You know what we need? We need to eat together every month. And I think I think that came about from. Hey, Ben, I'm,
0: I'm going to cut uh, you off just because I wonder if you don't mind just calling back. We'll make a little commercial here for our audience, and if you don't mind calling back, I wonder if just the line is kind of getting really fuzzy, and I want to hear what you have to say. Do you mind yeah. doing that? Give it a shot. Yeah, so, I'll call you right back. Thank you. So, folks, just uh, very blessed you're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and our guest is Ben Walther, and uh, just a wonderful, uh, godly husband and father. He's got six kids. He's leading worship throughout the country uh, in a powerful way. He's kind of getting really honest with us, which is beautiful, talking about the challenges of uh, living it out, if you will. And, Steph, I don't know if you just want to say a little word about maybe why that's why we exist. Share with our audience a little bit about, okay, give me a look. Uh, no, just massimpact.us oh, cool. is sort of how we're trying to do it, you know, yeah. uh, a tool and resource to help families talk and pray, which you can find at massimpact.us. And this Ilovemyfamily.us Page, you can find this these resources. The family Emmaus, of course, event coming up Sunday, and uh, and again, um, we just encourage you to make a commitment forty five minutes a week as a family. People are talking about this as a transformative culture changer in their marriages and families. It does take if if you a little audacity to set that time on a weekly basis to do that, um, and it really. You know, we're seeing a lot of returns, a lot of benefits for that, and we're going to experience that on Sunday. So again, join us. I love my family. Us. So Ben, right back to you. We're glad to have you with us. So your family life. Share with us. You know, how do you try to establish that culture in your own home?
2: Yeah. Hopefully, this is better. I'm sorry, guys. Much better. Yeah, no, Thank great. you. Yeah. Interruption before. Um, we we eat together uh, dinner every night and try try to get the kids in the kitchen cooking with us a little bit and. Oh, I think awesome. out of everybody in the house, I'm I'm the most <laughs> I'm the most um, intensely devoted to stirring up meaningful conversation, as my mother would
3: say. <laughs>
2: and uh, well, I'll just say this: you know, last week we were sitting down at, at dinner and we were talking about something, and the topic of the homeless came up. Mm. And I said, "Well, guys, how do you how do you think people how do you think people become homeless?" and I, I got a revolt <laughs> from from my teenage daughters. They were like, Dad, why do you gotta go so deep on us? We were just enjoying a light hearted light hearted conversation were, here.
1: Were you like, like at our dinner table?
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Us, does that yes, does that ring a bell yes, or what?
1: Or two or three, yes.
2: Oh my gosh, that's funny. So we, we try to have dinner together every night. We try to uh go around the table and share a little bit and to be honest with you, I'd love to <laughs> I'd love to, to talk about way more than we have, um, but you know what, I'll share this. My wife and I both um, kind of grew up in broken families, and so when we got married, we there was no precedent mm. for this for either one of us. We, mm. I, I didn't have a vision for this, she didn't have a vision for this, mm. um, and so we, we've often felt like, gosh, we have to make this up as we go, you know, mm-hmm. we, we kind of know what we want to do. Certainly we've learned a lot from from many other really good families, faith families who uh you know who who want to go there with their kids but I'd say for us, the two big things are eating together every night, um trying to have some meaningful conversation, and then wrestling the kids downstairs to pray every night, which is really the last the last few weeks that have been really beautiful, and we've gotten to the point now where we can we can all sing uh, the Salve Regina at night, and everybody beautiful. gets their blessing, and they go up to bed. And it's, become, it's becoming a ritual, you know, yeah. something that the kids look forward to and, and they can anticipate. And, uh, man, the hardest youth ministry I've ever done is in my own house. Mm. Um, so, my, girls, my two oldest girls are 16 and 14, and they go up into their room, and they shut the door And I I call it going into the lion's den, but I'll go in there and sit on the floor and try to strike up talk with them and it's it's risky.
1: Yes, yes.
2: But it's worth
0: doing. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: That is awesome. And even even pointing out, like, you know, I think every single parent desires more meaningful conversation and prayer with their children. (laughs) Across the board. Who's gonna say that they don't want a better family life like that or better relationship or drawing their children closer to the Lord. And yet we need to acknowledge it doesn't just happen. Mm. Like Mm. you're saying, you know, you got to keep pushing through it and keep pushing through it and declaring it and trying to stay faithful to it. And so you just gave great witness, Ben, that it's obviously worth it, but even for professional ministry people, you know yeah. it takes work and can right? i just can oh, i just yeah. say
0: and uh, for your you maybe backing me up on this ben you don't have to but hey folks who are listening out there who want to do this you want to have a culture in your home where you're talking and praying and you feel overwhelmed because the ease of turning on electronic entertainment and uh, isolated um You know, it feels awkward sometimes. Sometimes you do have to overcome inertia. You do have to overcome a pressure in the home Mm -hmm. of a trajectory going in a different direction. So you got to, in a sense, maybe find a time or say, hey, guys, tonight before supper or during supper, I'd just like to maybe open the doors to some conversation and, you know, just ask you to, you know, do this. Go with this. Um, And I know, so we have the benefit, Ben, of maybe a relational currency that we've built up um, for many years. So for our kids to go, they do it, and they initiate it, and they love that. For a lot of folks out there, maybe I'll just ask you, what advice do you give to a mom and dad out there, I'll say dads, who maybe don't have that relational currency, but they really want to? What's maybe a first step they can take to open that door?
2: That's great. That's great. Are you asking me?
0: Yeah, yeah. He's looking for a little uh, advice. I mean, yeah. What's a little advice yeah, you might have you know, for dads? Sorry.
2: You just got me going, down. yeah, especially because you targeted that question to dads. I think um, I would encourage dads, dads especially. I think I think a lot of women, mothers, I think, are a little bit more in, just naturally good at this. Uh, I think they're more in tune you know, to the relationship. They're more in tune to what's going on in their kids' lives, and... A lot of times, dads, our mission, you know, our, our, our energy and our focus is often outside the home. But what I've seen, and this is something I craved as my kids were growing up, I wanted to be able to speak and ask questions, and I wanted my kids to to, to listen with, you know with respect. Like, when dad is speaking about his faith or his heart or where he dreams he wants his family to go, I think we, I think we carry in our words and in our demeanor, a weight and um, and an authority that we don't often, that we don't often uh, utilize. And so I think I would just affirm, I would affirm and, and encourage and, uh, and and incite a lot of men out there if they want to take that first step. You know, I mean, it can be anything break open uh break open the the scriptures for the mass that day and pick one that that stood out or had something even make it controversial you know
3: mm-hmm.
2: pick one that that had an eye an eyebrow raising comment in there uh or or take something off the news and ask the kids what they think about that and how that relates to uh how that relates to our faith could be anything but i especially think that when dads encourage their families to pray together that bears with it a, a special amount of weight. Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely.
2: So don't don't be don't be afraid. Take that step.
0: Absolutely. And folks, the the social sciences, Pew studies, and Kara across the board, consistently, year after year, demonstrate the influence that a father has when we open the door to encounter Christ. But we lead by our witness. Certainly, he's got to start there. But uh, the chances of our children continuing the faith, if we are faithful as fathers and husbands, is like 60%, 70%. If the dad is out of the picture, it's only 2%. If the dad's out of the picture... I mean, it's really amazing, the stats and the discrepancy. Now, that's not prejudice or chauvinism. That's just facts. It's social sciences. There's something embedded in the human person and the soul that relates to the witness iconic value of a father with the father in heaven. There's an association there. And uh, I do think, folks, it's also good to be mindful and honest um, to to open those doors in ways that we need forgiveness as fathers, husbands, that we need healing. That witness itself, hey guys, uh, I want to share with you, I really have been maybe a little harsh the last couple weeks or years, whatever it may be. Pray for me because you know, I'm struggling with some things. And I want you to understand, maybe I grew up in such and such a way and I'm not making excuses, but I want you to understand what's going on in my life. Kids relate to that. It gives them permission to recognize that we are working out vice to virtue and that there are wounds in there that become part of the narrative. I mean, without our wounds, we really don't need God. Without our sin, we don't need a Savior. I want to pivot Mm -hmm. here, though, folks. There's so much we can talk about, Ben, and look forward to having you back. But I do want to, you, you touched on something in there in conversation and culture, Um, the recent uh, crisis of the last few weeks that has weighed heavily over many of us, we love our Catholic faith, yet we know we're comprised of humans. God, in his love, entrusted salvation uh, to the imperfection of all of us, with all of our imperfections. And how many have we led maybe astray by professing Jesus and maybe... Uh, if you will, in a particular moment, words came out of our mouths or actions. So we're we're all kind of part of this mess. But we've got this epic, if you will, icon example of leaders who are upper prelates of the church. And as we're discovering more and more that's happening, and there may be a lot more to come, how do you, um, Ben, in, in your travels, if you will, and maybe with peers, how are you guys kind of processing that and talking about that in a way that we as Desiring to be more faithful Catholics, it might inform us to respond more fully or better or correctly.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a temptation to be obviously discouraged, um, disheartened, and disgusted. Mm-hmm. And some of that is uh, some of that is well earned, right? I mean, we should be we should be disgusted at the foulness of of our own of our own. You use the word vice. Um, I think occasions like this are, are good reminders that we, we need to be vigilant. Uh, we need to be vigilantly aware of what's happening in us. Mm. And uh, a book I read in the last couple of years that did cha- I, I grew up in a, in a very Catholic, charismatic environment. I went to a Catholic school. Uh, growing up, I went to a Jesuit high school and then Franciscan University, and never in my life have I read or encountered or come across... Um, Ignatius's Fourteen Principles for the Discernment of Spirits mm. until a couple of years ago. Wow. Yeah. And I, I don't know how this is not a part of every every Catholic, every Christian child's upbringing. Because we started out this program by, uh, you know, just by mentioning the fact that we, we do have an enemy who's out there, and he's definitely mm-hmm. on the prowl. And I think what we're seeing on the news is... Um, I mean, there's so many so many ways to go about this, right, to try to answer this, but certainly at the heart of it is there's a darkness that's out there, and it's not just out there, but it exists in us as well. Each of us has a capacity for evil and, and treacherous things. And so I think, um, you know, in, in Ignatius's discernment of spirits, he talks a lot about how we need to be aware of what's going on inside of us, um, even calling upon the power of the Holy Spirit to illuminate Uh, to illuminate uh, the dark places in our hearts, to bring light where there's confusion and clarity to those places so that we can see what's going on. Because I think often when we are experiencing emotional or spiritual turmoil, uh, sometimes there's a spiritual force behind that, you know? Sometimes not, but sometimes there is. And, And even if there's not, we know that there are evil forces that would like to capitalize on that stuff, you know, on bad situations and bad circumstances. and uh, You know, with, um, uh, with, the, with the news events lately and, and more, more clergy and bishops, uh, one of the most promising things for me in my travels has been to meet really, uh, really great bishops mm, and so to try to get a sense of who they are as a man, as a Christian, you know? does this man truly love the lord um, is does he act and speak with integrity with honesty mm-hmm. with um, with chastity and charity now obviously we have a great need for chastity but at the heart of at the heart of christian chastity is is true charity right mm-hmm. willing the good the true good of others of everyone and um, i may be rambling a little bit but right on in in my work with with youth and and now with young adults, I mean, I feel for priests and ministers everywhere who I, I mean, I, I I I had just gotten into ministry when back in two thousand one and two, whenever the first kind of uh, scandals were breaking out into the news and and feeling like, gosh, my hands are tied, you know, I can no longer uh, show affection to a youth, you know, or mm. um, you know, even even give somebody a hug. And I think for a lot of us it took it took a long time to realize when we're acting out of true Christian charity, um, like I said a little while ago, I do believe that one of the greatest antidotes to all the bad news right now um, is for people to experience what authentic Christian charity looks like and that and that can be truly affectionate, you know
3: right.
2: um, and it, and does not operate out of fear. But operates out of the freedom and the love that we have in Christ, and so I'm, you know, in my work at at the college, I'm vigilant, I'm aware, certainly don't want to do anything stupid, but I want to show these people what it what it means to be loved by Jesus, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know, there's there's a lot to say there.
1: No, I was thinking I was Northland or anything. Yeah. Uh classroom teacher prior to marriage and taught in an inner-city Catholic school, one of the poorest schools in the diocese, and just very sad, broken homes most of my students, you know, came from. And I was eighth grade homeroom and, you know, taught the junior high, various subjects, whatever was needed that year. (laughs) But um, I was, you know, they kind of, it was before all the scandal stuff broke. But even at that time, they, you know, certainly cautioned us from showing affection, especially to that age group. And I couldn't, I couldn't not, you know, hear these kids were so facing such, you know, huge crosses every day. And this was my moment with them that I believe that the Lord was calling me to. And I hugged every single one of those kids every day, which may sound so silly because, you know, you think of Mm -hmm. that age and who, you know, just kind of too cool for, I still get comments and little notes, you know, via Facebook or whatever from former students of how much that meant to them and the difference it made. Yeah, And they do need to know God's love. And again, you can't be stupid about it, right? But, you know, yeah. and, and something else as you were talking, Ben, that came on my heart, especially as this stuff was all coming out. Yes, anger and sadness and disappointments and more anger (laughs) and just kind of like, okay, we're, we're, you know, in call for, you know, greater prayer and fasting for all of those around us. And you think of the divine mercy chaplet, you know, mercy on us and on the whole world and our sinfulness in that piece of, um, the fall of humanity. Right. And, you know, the, again, the things that you just shared, but I think an overwhelming thing that was on my heart was we, you know, I said to Greg, we need to live our vocation all the more authentically and Mm -hmm. all the more in virtue. And I just, I, I say that to our listeners tonight, you know, just feel that so much on my heart right now, you know, especially if you're struggling with all this, you know, stuff. And again, there's proper, you know, reactions and certainly steps need to be taken in particular by the laity, you know, with, within the church, right. Those who love the church and, You know, this is not meant to be a bashing thing at all, right? It's, you know, everything is done in love. But, you know, live where you are called to be in holiness and virtue and embrace that vocation that you've been called to and live it all the more with integrity. Yeah.
0: My two cents in this can be summed up um, in a challenge to me to my family I think to the whole church in my young 50 years of existence working for two dioceses and nonprofits or own nonprofit and and just working with families is simply this going from an more energy being devoted to appearing holy to energy and actually becoming holy and mm. on the surface you know that seems maybe simplistic and cliche but it challenges us to go to that deeper level of you know Are we dealing with that interior heart that has been broken because of betrayal, because of confusion, because of our own sin? Have we—Pink Floyd, another brick in the wall—we build up walls around ourselves that have maybe caused us to maybe even have a kind of religious observance— um, and praise God for that, praise God for following what God teaches, but not dealing with the unhealed heart. And maybe, yeah. even, maybe even not even being mindful that God wants to heal that heart, but the energy mm-hmm. it takes to maintain that facade— and, and all of us, to the day we die, we're, we've got this unhealed stuff, this junk in us. We Our listeners are very familiar with both Neil Lozano, Unbound, and through us, and, of course, be, be Healed by Bob Schutz, which is fabulous. And it's all about this, and the beauty is it's, folks, this is all of us. This isn't that special 3% or 5%. Every single one of us, Pope Benedict said, the, you know, the work of transformation, uh, redemption, sufficiently understood, is about healing. And I think what this is going to do, truthfully, what I pray it does, the scandal, is it opens us all the more to recognize that our God is a God who wants to heal the deepest inner heart of all of us. And I go to that Romans 12, 1 and 2 passages. You know, Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true In spiritual worship. Don't conform anymore to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to Mm -hmm. test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I think, folks, you know, repentance should not be a dirty word anymore. Uh, You know, if we're not sinners, again, we don't need a Savior. This this whole scandal should open us up as husbands and wives to a level of conversation about saying, I need your prayer, Stephanie. I need your prayer, kids, um, to help me become the saint that I want to be. To look honestly yeah. at the realities of the ways I'm responding internally uh, and to recognize that distance between where God calls us to be as saints and where we're at now, there is a distance. That's why the church exists. That's why we go to Mass. That's why we seek that grace. And and the promise on the other side are all these testimonies that we're hearing. If we do this, if you will work and allow God's work to be done in us, to be ministered to, um, we're going to experience a greater delight, a greater peace, a greater joy. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: So we started the show with one of your awesome songs, Ben. How can people hear your music? Um, because I they know they're going to want to. It was awesome.
2: Well, thanks. I hope to be chopping the charts after this radio <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah,
1: you know it.
2: <laughs> I, have, um, I have music on iTunes and wherever else you can get, you know, Amazon, wherever else you can get music. Um, I also, I didn't mention this before, but uh, a few years ago I started working with Catholic liturgical music publishing company, Oregon Catholic Press, Mm -hmm. and and back then there was still uh, maybe people familiar with the title Spirit and Song, Mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of a contemporary um, youth-oriented, if you will arm of, of OCP, Oregon Catholic Press, mm-hmm. and so very blessed to be a part of the OCP family and have music published with them. So you could also go to OregonCatholicPress.com and get music and, and, um, and uh, lead sheets and chord charts, and if you're a liturgical musician, you can get stuff there, too, because I, I do write for, for liturgy as well.
1: Awesome.
2: And uh, so those are places you could go
1: awesome and again we're with ben walther w-a-l-t-h-e-r check him out on all those places he just mentioned ben walther
0: let's close in prayer in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit Amen. amen dear lord jesus you fashioned us for your indwelling spirit we just renounce any of the lies and whispers lord that speak to us of any other discord or junk we just renounce it in the name of jesus christ we want to awaken all the more to your great love for us, Lord, so much that it overflows us to our spouses, to our children, to our families, to this world. For the glory of your name, Lord, we pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, and the Holy Spirit,
3: amen.